Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. FM 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. And if you're a dog lover and a dog owner, time to listen up because uh, as much as you love them, we might be able to give you a reason, another reason why you can love them even more. Turns out they might be more intelligent than we first previously thought. And that is due to new research that has come out of uh, Emory University in Atlanta from neuroscientists who have somehow convinced uh, their bosses and their people in charge to let them do tons of research on dogs, which must be one of the best things in the world to be able to do. Joining us now on the line to talk a little bit more about uh, dogs and how they might be able to understand your words a little bit better than what we thought before, neuroscientist Gregory Burns. Gregory, how are things? Great, how are you? Good, good. Yeah, we're not doing too bad, but um, I found this really interesting because I've had a dog before and I've been also told that certain breeds of dogs, bigger or smaller, can differ in intelligence. Yeah, I hear that a lot as well. So, you know, as Cormac was saying, uh, what I've been doing is to try to actually kind of get past these um, assumptions we make about breeds and, and size of dogs and so forth. And we've been training dogs to go into an MRI scanner so we can actually figure out what they're thinking and what they think of us and how they see the world. So we're going right into their brains to try to figure out what they're uh, doing. That must be one I can imagine either a lot of fun or very frustrating. Did it take you long to actually train them to go into the machine and sit down and relax and, and get used to everything? It, it's Yeah, it's both fun and, and frustrating. But um, <laughs> as someone said, I have the best neuroscience job in the world. And I actually most days uh, agree with that because it's like I get to work with dogs at work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, to be honest, though, you know, we've been doing this for almost 10 years and we've we've trained uh, over 100 dogs now uh, just to go walk into an MRI scanner and they just lay there um, and kind of watch and listen to what we we do with them. And it's not for most dogs. I'll tell you that straight up. Most right. dogs are not interested in this. And what have you found during your studies? Well, when we started, we started with really simple things. We actually focused on the reward system. So, for example, we wanted to know if dogs are motivated purely by food or are some dogs um, equally motivated or perhaps more motivated by just kind of the social bond that we have with them. And what was interesting about that is it's, it's, it's often difficult to tell when you're just interacting with a dog, but if you go right to their brain and you can look at what the reward systems do, we actually found that, that most of the dogs in our project had equal reward responses to social praise as food. Um, and, and even a handful of dogs actually like the social praise more. And so that was actually really interesting because a lot of the, the owners um, assume that dogs will only do things for food. But in fact, that's mm. actually not the case. That's really that's interesting. 
That is really interesting, yeah. And you are obviously able to obviously hone down and see there's different, obviously, then reward pathways in the brain for food versus the social reward. Well, it turns out there's really only one reward system that kind of has a, a common final pathway. And so all we have to do is use that as kind of like a gauge, you know, does a dog Sorry, you know, yeah. view, view food as a prospect as much as, as just praise? And it, it varies. But for most dogs, actually, social praise is, is a primary motivator for them, it seems. And what's really interesting is, and I had no idea that they could even ever understand words. I always thought that, you know, they kind of go by the pitch of your voice. If you're going, come here, good dog, they're going to just jump at you because they're hearing this kind of excited tone to your voice. Whereas maybe when you're a little bit more angry, they kind of know by the tone of your voice. But can they actually understand words? Yeah. So it's it's I think it's a bit it a bit it's a bit of both. Clearly, they get a lot from the tone. Um, as, as humans do. And so we did a study a few years back where we actually taught our MRI dogs just some new words. And this was modeled after the famous border collie named Chaser, who supposedly knew a thousand words. And so the idea was we taught them the name of two new toys that they had never seen before. And surprisingly, this takes a fair bit of work. And then we had them go in the scanner and then we had the owners speak those words to the dogs. And what we were interested in was, for example, when we, when we say a word, I'll say ball, since everyone knows that example, does does the dog actually kind of conjure up in their mind some picture of a ball like a human might? Mm. And what's interesting about it is, is that the dogs clearly could differentiate words that they've been trained on versus words they've never heard before or novel words, but they don't seem to be using them in the same way that humans do. We couldn't find evidence that they had activity in their visual parts of the brain like a human would when they, when they picture things. Instead, it seems to be something quite different. Um, and we're actually still trying to figure this out what the words mean to dogs. I think what people have to realize is that, you know, a dog's brain is about the size of a lemon. And so they just simply don't have the neural real estate like we do to process complex language, but they can certainly make associations between these words that we use and things that are salient to them and their environment. And so maybe that's a toy or more likely it probably kind of encompasses not just the object itself, but what they do with it. You know, so when we say ball, it's not that they picture a ball, it's probably Probably that they start thinking about, okay, I'm going to go grab that thing. I'm going to put it in my mouth. I'm going to maybe bring it back to my owner. It would be the same with, I know certain dogs and I've seen certain dogs will, you know, if their owner says like something like, let's go walkies or, you know, walk, they'll straight away know either to grab their lead and sit by the door as soon as that word is said or, or, or something to that effect. So it's a kind of similar thing. I think it is similar to that. And of course, a lot of these things are very context dependent. So, mm. you know, if, if the owner says that in some weird circumstance, um, the dog's probably not going to have the same reaction. So they, they're very good at kind of pairing these words with, say, the particular time of day when they've learned that they're going to go on a walk um, yeah, in a particular yeah. place, right? Yeah, environmental cues are the same kind of situation to let them know that, yeah, walkies happen from home, not in, I don't know why you'd be in a busy shopping center with your dog, but yeah, the situation that they're in influences those cues as well. Exactly. And so, you know, what I tell folks when they're communicating with their dogs, I mean, simplicity is actually better because, you know, they obviously cannot get the full nuances of human language, but they can get little bits. And mm. so when speaking to the dog, it's best to use just simple words and not complicated sentences like like we're doing now. And tell me, is there a difference between different breeds of dog and intelligence? So, you know, it's often been known that a German Shepherd would be highly intelligent and maybe a Cocker Spaniel, not so much. I have two answers to that. One is I don't know, uh, but that's not very satisfying. 
Uh, <laughs> so w- what I can tell you is, is that there's over a hundred breeds. So it's very difficult to make generalizations across many breeds. But what I can tell you is that we have studied a few breeds in detail. So out of the hundred or so dogs we've trained, at least half of them are either golden retrievers or Labrador retrievers. Um, in part, that's because they're so popular, but also because, frankly, most of them are couch potatoes and they simply enjoy lying still in the scanner as long as we give them treats. So they're easy <laughs> for this project. But amongst the retrievers, there's still kind of this huge range, both in brain responses and some of their abilities. So we've studied in particular service dogs or dogs training to become service dogs, and they're all retrievers. And so even within a breed, there's still a huge range. And so your question then kind of comes down to is the individual differences within a breed smaller than between breeds? And the answer to that is I don't know. I, I'm just all I can tell you is that all dogs are individuals just like people. Have you done any definitive research on why dogs are infinitely better than cats? <laughs> uh, so for all the cat people out there, I always get someone emailing me and say, hey, my cat could do that. Go in the scanner and so we could figure out what they're thinking. And I, I say, well, after 10 years, I'm still waiting to meet that cat. <laughs> Which is fair enough. And, and the, the other question I wanted to ask you is, um, if you've just tuned in, by the way, we're chatting to Gregory Burns, who's a, a neuroscientist from the Emory University in Atlanta and does a lot of work with studying the, the brains of dogs. And um, how do you get such a job? <laughs> Uh, You know, this was totally luck. For most of my career, I I studied humans. Um, You know, we had people go in MRI scanners to try to figure out how their brains work. And it was just a crazy idea. Ten years ago, I, I, you know, I was looking at my dog and wondering what she thinks. And it's, and I thought, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if she could go in the scanner too? So, you know, just from the idea to actually making it happen actually probably took about a year because we had to figure out how to train the dogs and we, we treat them as the family members that they are. So it's, yeah. it's voluntary. They're not sedated. They're not strapped down. The whole the whole thing works uh, on the fact that they enjoy doing it and we try to make it a game with them. So it's just fun for everyone. And is it true as well? I'm really interested to know this, that dogs can stay up and worry just like humans. I think some of them can. Certainly, I have one dog um, who's a bit of a worry wart and we know that many dogs um, have separation anxiety and it's, it's something that I would like to study in further detail, because I I think the question that I have, which is what you asked, is when a dog feels lonely or anxious, is that the same kind of loneliness and anxiousness that we humans feel? My intuition says it's probably very similar, kind of down at its core, except they don't have the words to describe it like we do. Oh, see, that's the thing. I definitely don't think my cat Susan ever sits alone (laughs) worrying about me or (laughs) life stresses. They're missing that part of the brain that makes uh, that makes them care or have empathy maybe for, for any other types of people. But God, and then in, in, Gregory, in your 10 years of studying dogs and throwing them into a machine, I know we've talked about a lot of really fascinating and interesting stuff that you've stumbled upon, but um, what else might have been one of the most interesting things that you found in your 10 years of studying dogs? Well, I think some of the things um, related to language and, and, and some of the things that we're working on right now which is kind of in the realm of what we call brain decoding. So there's been advances in imaging in in humans as well, where we're now able to combine the technology of MRI with fairly sophisticated computer algorithms to 
to try to decode what's happening in a person's brain. So, for example, in humans, you can show people movies and then with fairly sophisticated algorithms, decode what they're looking at or even what they're thinking. So I think that's the future of this in terms of dogs. I mean, ultimately, I guess I'm trying to build a dog brain decoder so we actually know what they think. Yeah. Coolest job in the world. Have, has there ever been any approach for you to like do this as a TV show? Because I'm sure this would be perfect as a, <laughs> a really cool TV show. I'm open to the possibility. Leave it at that. Because the, the dog whisperer had his, you know, 15 minutes of fame back in the day. <laughs> and, and who's the other? There's a British, what's the British vet guy or the Irish vet guy? Not British. Oh, yes. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. But yeah, he's on all the TV programs. Yeah. And, and this guy is now doing live tours, selling out arenas in front of like 10,000 people just talking about dogs. So, I mean, if, if you ever wanted maybe a little bit of a, a, a break from the academic stuff, you could do some sort of live speaking dog tour and, 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 and there's tons of money in that. But listen, um, you sound like you have the most amazing job in the world, but it's, it's churning out a ton of really interesting information as well. Um, best place for someone, uh, another dog lover who might be listening now who wants to reach out and see more of what you've done. And um, where can they find you online? Just hit me up on my website, gregoryburns.com. And that's B-E-R-N-S, not with a U gregoryburns.com and also check out his book what it's like to be a dog um, New York Times best-selling uh, book as well Listen, thanks a million for popping on and uh, who knows we could see you on a dog tour sooner rather than later I look forward to it Want flexibility? Take yoga Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company They offer flexible budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you More at UH1.com even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.